0: Welcome to the end of our eyes. I has melted back to life. Done my time and served my sentence. Dress me up and watch me die. If it feels good, tastes good, it must be mine. Dynasty decapitated, you just might see a ghost tonight.
1: All right. So it is April 6, 2021. Huh. Wow. Think about it. In a couple of days, I'm on here. Talk about behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff that I can't but to insight to understand what, who, what, when, where, why. About the overlords, these corporations. We've been <laughs> talking about them for a while. Finally, people are realizing it. The term, we are many, they are few. I keep saying it. I keep pointing it out. Just how important it is to understand your size. To understand that all they have is a megaphone. By the way, I did get my um, megaphone from Amazon. (laughs) So I may be shouting some things outside of my car. But how do you go up against... They're really smart, they're real. One comes out. The other one. What are they going to solve? Are they not going to eat? Are they not going to gas up their car? Are they not going to walk? They're not going to wear? Not going to. They know they have the upper hand. You're not going to stop. We're going to visit Bible town and it's about facing giants because this is what they are. They are giant. They have to their products. We are now the products. So they say what goes. I was, um, Listening to you know Biden administration and the tax cuts and uh, you know how we're going to get rid of them and increase the tax and we need infrastructure, and, but there's the guy that was telling us that China's not going to eat our lunch. Hold on, he doesn't want to give them incentive out of the country. Hold on a second, Mr. Foe selected Joe. Well, I mean Kamala Devi. Let's call her. minus the L. So why? Oh well. Because then they'll just go do business in China and China will pay the fee, the fine, right? Gain, right? they will pay the fine. So let's undo what Tr- President Trump did, right? Let's undo the tariffs. And now let's undo the incentives to stay within the United States. If you go overseas, uh, you'll pay less taxes, but we're going to fine you. And then you go to another country and say, hey, pay me... Um, pay the fine for me. And don't charge me taxes so that I can make jobs in your country. See, this is how we lose. But for some reason, all these financiers are, you know, over the airwaves saying things like, oh, but we need to do this. Oh, but we need to do that. So tonight I'm going to have a stereo with Gavin. And we were talking a little bit earlier about some things and I think he gets it. I think he really does get it. He, well, I can't talk about it with Gavin. But anyway, so today is about talking, about taking on these giants, these people that own every facet of our life. How do we face giants? How How do we go over them when they're towering over us? They own the way we eat, sleep, operate, work. They're not at your doorstep. They're in your bed. They're in your fridge. They're in your car. they every single facet of your life <laughs> to go against them. No. To start talking about My Target doesn't go there. And then Walmart doesn't either. So <laughs> they're everywhere. They are the overloads. Oh. They're inside of your life. That is. That's really intimidating. It's intimidating to know that these people have more power just for you to be alive, just for you to exist. They have more power. More power than your word. More power than anything. More power than the Constitution. Apparently, they can do anything they want. So how do you do you wait for someone to come in on a horse and knight in shining armor? no. Conversation with Gavin was something up. He's like, you know, when we were talking with XYZ, 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 I always hear it all the time. It's super hard to pick. And that's true. Very true. Because I wasn't a person that would, oh, it's going to sound so bad, but this was totally my mindset. Everyone's stupid. I'm smarter. So I'm not taking orders from you because you suck. You think inside a box and you're going to fail. So we're going to do what I say. That's usually how it went. And that's why most of the things I did were successful. All they did was, and you know, I keep trying to see, what was it? The the, the, the travel, the, the this stable family, which wasn't even true. It was It was a nightmare. What was it? That, that, that kept me understanding. Was it the fact that I craved that power? Was it the fact that I enjoyed what I did? Changing the minds of multiple leaders. Hijacking the very facet of their reality. But the thing is, I believe it was. I knew that. I don't know. I don't know why, but I I do know this. That a giant can be a country, companies like we're seeing now, the corporations. And these giants, they also have fear. Many of these giants all have their weak spot, their Achilles heel, their hair, they have a weak spot and something they fear the most, right? Now, they won't admit it. They will bully you into submission. They will not tell you what their fear is. They will not show you that they are scared. They will not show you anything. They will flex their other and they will make you kneel. Oh my gosh. How many you like, so I'm going to stop drinking coffee. It's else in wagon too. boo puts pronouns for their staff. Oh, you're waiting for me. I'm not going. I mean, w- what is it that we do? We just accept it. No, we wait for the right time and the right times now. So in order to be able to understand how to defeat a giant as such, I think it's important that we revisit um, the story of, David and Goliath. So, if we're going to work so you can understand what was... I'm thinking, do we do a book of Samuel? Let me see. The book of Samuel? Okay. Let's do the book of Samuel. Great. All right. So, so here we are. 1 Samuel 17. So, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sakah and Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes, the Mim, between Sakah and Ezekah. So, and the Israelites assembled the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Goth, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, "Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you so? Choose a man to me, If and kill me. We will become your subjects. But if I overkill him, you will become our subjects and serve us." Then the Philistine said, "This day I defy the army." Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed. Now, that was um, 1 Samuel um, 17, 1 through 11. So we stopped at right after 11. So here there are two camps, right? Um, the Philistines' army. And they're standing sit hills and there's a valley, right? Six cubits. He wore bronze. He had an iron point that weighed 600 shekels, right? He even had his own shield bearer. He was just like, yo, what's up? Right? And King Saul, they they, they shook. I want you to think of yourself as King Saul's army, the people, and that the corporations are the Philistines, right? Now, they claim that if we fight and we lose, we will serve you. But first of all, if you know history, the Philistines that were there were actually there to serve man, uh to to uh, coincide and help each other. Great trade. They were getting along, great lights, but really, really strong and decided we're not gonna be providing you goods anymore. You're just gonna work for us. You're gonna be our slaves. Kind of when Amazon began in a garage, you know, the little tiny tiny violin story. I started in a garage and yes, great commerce, let's do it. Nee, 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 nee. And suddenly Amazon's so big, they're just like well, then send your best because I will slay, slay, slay because I not only owe every little company here, I owe them in that country and that country and that country. Look at me. I am a giant. Same thing goes for Walmart and Target and Major League Baseball. Do you want Cracker Jacks and hot dogs and beer? Watching men swing a stick, hit a ball and run around like idiots around a base. I like baseball, but let's just break it down. They're threatening us, right? That if we don't act the way they want us to, we can't watch their athletes. Thousands, of people, a million to come and cheer kids and buy team shirts, right? Huh. But we have to do it under the condition that we think like you or the way you tell us. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. Okay, let's just put it into perspective. That's literally not how it works. Look, I'm going to put up millions of dollars. They're going to be, we're going to, and you're going to pay us a shit ton of money to come and watch them hit a ball with a stick and run around in the field while you cheer and hate the other side and drink our overpriced popcorn, uh, g- g- Coke, and, and you're going to do this. And ask us how high on a shop can. Now, speaking of what I can and can't do, that. So let's continue with this story. So you understand who David is and who Goliath is. So we start at 12. Now, David was the son of an epithet named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war the firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, followed Saul but David forth back and forth to Saul to tend to his father's sheep in Bethlehem for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening stop right there so now we're introduced to David as the youngest of the sons here part and I noticed this but ever notice that everything is 40 days 40 days in the deserts 40 days of rain and now we have 40 days huh of Goliath getting into the valley and saying, yo, what's up? You gonna bring someone or we're gonna make you ours? What are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? That's exactly what's happening. Listen again carefully to 1 Samuel 17, 16. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning. He says, bring it. Cause we just made you our biatches. Now Jesse said to his son, David, Take this, Ephah, grain, and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are, and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd. Loaded up and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp. As the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines with the keeper of support, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers. As he was walking with them, Goliath, champion from Goth, stepped out from his lines and shouted, defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He keeps coming out to defy Israel. He was provoking them, guys. He was provoking them, saying, Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Look at me. Ha ha. What are you going to do about it? Ha ha. Look at me. For 40 days, the king will give great wealth to the man who killed him. His daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from standing near him. Standing near, be dusting and removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of a living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. At him and asked, "Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness?" I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I Done," said David. "Can I even speak?" He turned away to, and brought up the same man. And answer "David said, was," and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, "Let no one lose heart on account of Servo and fight." him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. Now, let's think about this for a second. So he's telling him, dude, you're a young boy. Like, what are you going to do? You're just going to go over there and you're going to die. He's way better than you. He's been doing this for a while. You're you're not even wet behind the ears. All right. Let's just stop. Right. This is basically what he's telling him. He's seasoned. You're not. What are you going to do? Here's where the song, and I think a lot of you may have missed what this is really saying, right? Said to Saul, has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, it, struck it and run its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear this uncircumcised Philistine like one of them because he has defied the armies. Lots of smack for a young boy, right? Let's be swaying. I don't know what you're talking about that scares all your armies and stuff. As a kid, I what I do is I tend to the flock, right? And there's lions lion for it. Bear comes for it. And I down. A lion, I take it down. Now think about it. Whatever your giant may be, I could tell you over the years that... All giants, every single huge, massive giant, works most effectively in a valley. Right? Oh, it's in a valley. Why? What's the difference between a valley and the top of a mountain or flat? It's the it's you know when society, right? That the society, our society, has between mountains. We have. We are in a valley. Let me tell you something. When your city is built in a valley, sitting dead ducks. Why? Because a giant, a corporation, an army, whatever it may be, can surround you in a valley. They can sit at a high point and take you out like no other. So guess what? We, the people, are in that valley right now. We are sitting in a valley, sitting ducks, sitting ducks, because here they come, coming full speed ahead at us, these corporations, and they're intimidating us because they're coming bottom. We've got nothing. We've got no. We've got no military. We want. Yeah, if it is, we're just it, we're just. That's what are you going to do? Kind of like the big Samuel Seventeen, big giant coming down. What's up? What are you gonna do about it? Five days. What is he? What are you gonna do? What? They they were all in the army, but they were like, "What are we doing?" Uh, well, we have to kill the the giant. Okay, so we got to take down the corporations. Well, we can't. They, they they're bigger than us. They're surrounding us. They're coming from the top. They're casting shadows. We need them to eat. We need everything. You know. We need everything that they have to offer. How do we take them down and make them submit and, and resume their role of being simply companies that provides goods, right? That they simply are that. They are Goliath. They've got the armor, they've got the money, the lawyers. The media, the megaphones, our goods, our water, our food, our commodities. You think of it. They've got it. They, like the Philistines, were intimidating them for 40 days. Let's just assume four years, right? Intimidation. So much. And we sit there, and we're just like, all right, all right, we're not going to take it. Uh, let's do a little bit of a fight, okay? Let's draw back, and then they come back because they love it. See, they don't want to kill you outright because they need you, right? So they're just going to keep taunting you until they break you. That's that's it. Until they break you, and they see fear, and they love it. They know you need them, and they love it. They do. They are warriors. They came from nothing and became giants. We let them become giants. And all of us are retreating. What do we do? What do we do? How do we survive this? How do we get it? How do we win? How do we win? So here in the story of David and Goliath, this young boy is just bringing food and cheese like his dad asked his brother's. And he's a little bit teed off. He's like, Well, hold on a second. How's the world working like this? Um, lion comes from my sheep. I'm going to take it down. Right. It's people like that don't exist. Oh, and we're going to talk about people that don't exist today. So, what do you do when your Goliath is so massive? You eat it for lunch, right? If you're sitting there and a lion comes and steals your sheep, you're going to be like, well, another one bites the dust. Or are you going to chase the lion and pull the sheep out of its mouth and say, "Nah, man, that's not yours. Fearlessness. Fearlessness because you know that God wins. Fearlessness because you know that you are more powerful. They're just making you think you aren't. Fearlessness because you can't see their weak point and that's you. Targeted precision, right? Precision, precision, precision. And I've mentioned the way you win before. It feels like no one is paying attention, They're casting their shadows. You want a car, you want gas, you want cigarettes, you want food, you want water, huh? You want nice clothes, a nice handbag, a job, a bank account. Well, you better fall in line. But you have to be unintimidated in the sight of evil people. You have to be cocky. You have to stand tall because you have the armor of God around you. And there is no way you can fail. When what you do is with good heart. Not for you, but for others, all right? You're not waiting to become the hero of the story. You don't want to lead the pack and say, well, I'm doing this and I'm like such a patriot. No, no, no. No. When you empower everyone else to feel the same and you encourage, because man, this morning I had a conversation with someone. I'm going to tell you this. You guys think that, that Goliath is massive, that we can't take down the... Have you guys realized what you've done? what you are doing, then I am simply there lurking around. Because I don't want to sway or direct or redirect anything that you, the people, are doing. I'm simply there. We are the news, the billboards, the letters, the communication. You guys are taking the reins. (laughs) Takes one stone. (laughs) One. One targeted precision. What else about stones we need to hear? Laws are usually written in stone. And that is the stone we need to use. That is the stone. So this young boy is supposedly naive, but he's like, yo, I've taken on a bear. I've taken on a lion. I'm going to take on this dweeb right here who keeps taunting all of you. What are you talking about? A whole army can't go against him. You're going to do it, little boy. Well, just because, you know, I seem unafraid, it's because when the lion and the bear came and took the lamb, I went after him. Let's read it from the scripture, the way he says it. He says, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off A sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned to me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. With his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you will come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll have your flesh for the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into his hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So Dave, David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from its sheath. After he killed him, he cut off the head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. So here's the deal. All of the Philistines were bullies, right? All of them. And what David did, he went in there saying, no, man, it's one stone. That's all it takes is one stone. That stone is going to be cast. These corporations have gotten out of control, so much out of control that our, that even our own SCOTUS could not even fathom how much control they have. And even though there was no actual judgment, And they sent it back yesterday. They made it clear that this is a big problem. It is a very big problem. Just how out of control they have, how much power they have, not only on what you eat, drink, where, the way you talk, the way you think, what you're allowed to say, what you're allowed to read, what you're allowed to do. Horrible. so what happened is that there was a case brought up to the Supreme Court. Joseph R. Biden Jr., President of the United States and everyone else, versus the Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University. A petition for writ certiorari is granted. The judgment is vacated, and the case remanded to the United States Court of Appeals, for the Second Circuit with instructions to dismiss the case as moot. Justice Thomas made it clear that there is way too much power, way too much power in the hands of few. Specifically that of our ability to have conversations. And I quote, But government officials who informally gather with constituents in a hotel bar can ask the hotel to remove a pesky patron who elbows into the gathering to loudly voice his views. The difference is, is that the government controls the space in the first scenario, the hotel, in the latter. Where here, private parties control the avenues for speech. Our law has typically addressed concerns about stifled speech through other legal doctrines, which may have a secondary effect on the application of the First Amendment. So that's one quote that was uh, pretty important, right? It's quite fascinating. It is quite fascinating that even the Supreme Court is stupefied over what is being done And what is being said? Like, how do they have so much control that they can silence the president of the United States? Therefore, yesterday, I sent out this message. Today, at a SCOTUS. Justice Thomas says, we will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned information infrastructure such as digital platforms. Man, things are heating up. You guys are ready to take on Goliath. We're doing it, and I'll tell you how. So it was one stone that took out Goliath. Now, we have many Goliaths. We have digital Goliaths. We have consumer goods Goliaths. We have schools, right? We have a lot of Goliaths right now, tons of them. So many of them. But it only takes one. One stone. One stone will take out one. One. The only way to do that is to bring in a Trojan horse. Now, you can't fight them on their turf. You're in the valley, right? So you got to use the valley to what you got. Now, I've said this time and time again. We have laws on our state level. We have laws on our state level. We have laws on our municipal levels. Use them. If MLB wants to be vagina's about things, right? Then scold them, penalize them. Now, how do you penalize them in your state? Well. I don't know. Maybe they'll violate something like do something racist, like ask for ID (laughs) and use their own against them. But for example, if Delta demands that you have a COVID passport, I can say, well, in the state of Ohio, they shouldn't be allowed to operate. You should kick them out of the airports. They should not be able to service my state because they are discriminating. They're um, engaging in medical discrimination, right? If a bank chooses, like PNC has, to get rid of conservative bank accounts, well, we can then go to our states and say, well, they've banned all these people from having accounts because they said, uh, you know, they, um, they don't like their speech. And that's against the law. So they shouldn't be able to operate in our state. See, in your state, right, in your state you have way more power than you do on a federal level. In your county, you have way more power than you do on a federal level. In your town, you have way more power than on a federal level. I've said this to my kids as well, and this is pretty good advice. Do not be bothered where you go get your undergraduate degree. Go to like a state, you know, college, Don't spend the money on your undergraduate degree. You're getting the same damn information. Maybe not as amazing as going to Harvard or Yale, but there's no point because you'd prefer to be a shark, right, in a goldfish pond than to be a shark among sharks. See, when you learn to be a shark in a goldfish pond, you learn how to move faster, respond faster, and attack better. So let's just say on a county level you got some stuff done. Then you go to state. Then you take it federal. Now, this is how it works. This is how it happens. Now, I've said that I have engaged in a few lawsuits. I'm extremely pissed off that the Secretary of State, which is supposedly Republican, gotten away with not being slapped with a misdemeanor. But they came back to me with an answer, which by the way, I was so pissed off when I saw it that I haven't even read it yet. I just skimmed through. I can speed read. I looked at it and I was like, I'm going to throw up like right now. I'm not looking. I'm so pissed. I don't even want to look at it. I don't even want to look at it right now because I'm not going to respond correctly. But what I am telling you is, you know, like all these lawsuits, look at us. We were banned from YouTube and this and that and we're going to 230 you. You're not going to do shit. Because that's what the, the that's what the armies of Saul were doing. They were coming head on with spears and swords and they kept losing because you're in a disadvantaged position. In order, what is it? Um, what is it called? Don't argue with stupid people. Why? Because they will bring you down to their level of stupid and beat you with experience. So this is how you have to see it. You can't go up to their level and fight them. You can't reach. You don't have the goods. You're not going to win. I don't care how blatant it is. They stole an election. Blatantly. They didn't give a shit. You think you're going to fight them? I don't care how good your lawyer is. I don't care how sharp their sword is. It's not the right fight. The right fight, the right fight is using honesty and using concrete things set in stone concrete things. Like, uh I don't know. Let's see. What's concrete? Theft. What's concrete? Employment laws. What's concrete? Fraud. What's concrete? Murder. Those are concrete things. Oh, it was just a little bit of murder. right? Oh, it was just a little bit of theft. I only stole half the chewing gum back, not the whole one. Always just a little bit of fraud. Just, you know, just a little bit. Oh, my bad. Um, hmm. Always, a, yeah, you know, Um, I totally gave them a lot of work to do. And yeah, they were supposed to only be lifting 20 pounds. I gave them 100 and they broke their back. But, you know, it was only a little bit of a problem. No, those are hard laws in stone. So when you're trying to attack a giant, you want to find a tiny stone. That attacks them where they're weak, right? That attacks them where they can't get out of the box, right between the eyes, to let it sink in. That's the way you win. So now that we've said this, for those of you watching on video, I think it would be great if we just watched the little clip. Where is it? I found a really cute clip about David and Goliath. Or I might have removed it because we said we weren't going to do it. Gosh darn it. We have a lot of little stories to talk about today. But anyway, so the only way we win is by the way we approach a situation. You know, like just like David standing across from Goliath with like five little stones in his pocket, right? He just plays with them and he's all tiny and stuff against Goliath. And he's like, I got five stones, Five, 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 five stones. And I'm going to, and I'm going to win. He was right there, just standing there. And he proclaims, right? You have a sword, you've got a javelin. So we proclaim, you've got lawyers, you've got money, you've got the megaphone, but what you don't have is God on your side. And all you do is taunt. And what he did was he put his little hand in the bag, picking out from one of the five stones, and struck Goliath so hard that he fell down. He fell down so hard that he was able to then take his sword and chop his head off himself. He took the giant's sword And chopped his head off. In other words, he took what the giant was using as defense and killed him with it. I want you to remember that. takes one stone to bring it down. And then you use their weapon against them. I mean, you'll see what that means soon. But that is the tale of Goliath. And boy, you know, it's kind of looking more biblical, 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 biblical. Every... Single day. So bizarre. How much power they flex, how much of a shadow they cast. So, Chris Alito actually put a very good commentary together. I I like him. About these, uh, how do you call it? The woke mob. (laughs) The woke mob. They're insane. But like many who say it takes one stone, man. And you watch that stone come hard. Hard. And then you use their own sword. What they were going to use against you, you, use it against them and you chop the head off. Per se. Take a listen to what Chris had to say.
2: I'll show here on Newsmax TV. I pray you had a blessed Easter and that Time with you and your family, your friends, every bit the celebration of hope that Christians have traditionally undertaken. The fake Catholic, Joe Biden, was busy and addressed the nation in a message that was released on Easter. It was an odd Easter message. Mr. Biden never once used the name Jesus Christ in his message, but he and Mrs. Biden mentioned the China virus seven times. There's a reason why this is done. Uh, one name engenders hope, the other engenders Fear. And trust me when I tell you, socialists love Americans living in fear, compliant with the left wing's ever-present, ever-changing edicts and directives. Fear keeps people in line. And that's exactly where the control freaks in the left want all of you. Biden is also expressing his support for the latest attack being launched in the economic war against Americans. Major League Baseball has announced it will pull the All-Star Game and the draft out of Georgia. This is being done in retaliation against Georgians and their support, of restoring election integrity. Biden fully supports this economic attack on the red state of Georgia. So much for being an occupier of the Oval Office for all Americans, hmm? The question remains, what will we the people do in response to these attacks? An economic war has been launched against us. Will you fight? Or surrender? That's the question we ask in tonight's preamble. First things first, for those of you who support voter ID and placing a deterrence in in place to, to stop cheating at the ballot box, you are not alone. According to the Associated Press, nearly three in four Americans support voter ID. That means it's the tyrannical minority, the Democrat Socialist Party and those in these boardrooms of these woke corporations who are the overwhelming minority in this country. The bonehead commissioner of baseball, Robert D. Manfred, said this about voting integrity laws. Quote, Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. What? He opposes restrictions that prevent foreign nationals from voting. He opposes restrictions that stop ballot box stuffing. He opposes restrictions that prevent the dead from voting. Any sane person supports every American's right to vote. But people with half a brain, which seems to eliminate Mr. Manford there, also know that we have a right not to have our legal votes canceled out by ineligible votes. Mr. Manford's statement is as contradictory as it is stupid. Given his statement, why would any American give their hard-earned disposable income to Major League Baseball? Is such stupidity worthy of your support? Forget about how. Dumb Major League Baseball is. What about their support for racism, slavery and the nation that intentionally unleashed the China virus on the world? That's right. Major League Baseball does business with the Communist Party of China. MLB attacks the fellow their fellow Americans and then embraces China. The very same China that is full of avowed racist against blacks, full of those who undertake the enslavement of millions and a country that has killed millions of others worldwide in that unnecessary pandemic. Florida Senator Marco Rubio noted Joe Biden's and Major League Baseball's values when he tweeted at MLB caves to pressure and moves draft and all star game out of Georgia. On the same week, they announced a deal with a company backed by the genocidal Communist Party of China. Why are we still listening to these woke corporate hypocrites on taxes, regulations, and antitrust? That's a very good question.
1: Now, even though this is a bona fide argument and that we should be paying attention to their woke arguments, right? It's bona fide. We're being distracted. I want you to pay attention. We're being distracted. Norwegian cruises, huh. you're not going unless you're vaccinated. You want to enjoy these freedoms? You must show me your papers. Which reminds me, I didn't even show you guys yesterday um, my um little video. We should play it and see the similarities of um actual communists, <laughs> right? We should totally see these communists, Hitlers, in action. Because that's exactly what they are. See, we're being distracted with, um, with, you know, righteously distracted, okay? I'm not saying that it's not a good thing. Economic warfare is never fun, okay? It's never fun, and it's never correct. Because that is your livelihood. You won't get toilet paper. Remember? They were banning it. You won't have food or water. But I'll tell you what. One thing that is repetitive... When a ship is going down, right, on a ship that they've banked so much time and effort into it, they are willing to all go down with it. Remember when Hillary said, if he got elected, we all hang. Well, if he comes back to office, there's a lot of people on the right that are going to hang. MAGA movement is dead. Are you paying attention yet? It's all about talking smack. It's all about everything, and now you're going to be seeing some crazy-ass alliances. You're going to be like, what? I guess maybe we should all get along. No, no, no. Devil, no. We saw how that worked out on January 6th. We must be very, very careful. While we're distracted with all of these uh commerce wars that have been going on for decades. It's not just now, right? For decades. I mean, Target and Starbucks just said, oh, there's no military discount. Mm -mm. Fuck the people that fight wars for us. It's just stupid, right? People boycotted them. Are you going to boycott everyone? They all came together, right? It's you, the people. Because if you concede or if you're like, well, you know, I mean, we're all in it together and we all need to work together and we all have the same message. Where's the morals? Can you unite with someone that, um, I don't know, promoted mail-in ballots? Can you unite with someone that attacked a child for being victim of a crime? Can you fathom yourself ever uttering those words? I'm going to work with that person, even though uh, they took me for a ride and they lied and they got paid by the Lincoln Project. You can't fathom that. Can you fathom working with people that are part of the military industrial complex, choosing one evil or over another? They're both evil. We're just going to pick the, the better one for us. It's like feeding an alligator, hoping it eats you last. No, we choose good. We choose truth, and we choose God. Whoever that God may be for you, that's how we move forward. Because let's not forget, and I've said this before, and I get a lot of flack, the Pope is human. Your priest is human. Your presidents, your kings, your queens, your generals, your admirals, your bosses, your managers, your CEOs, they're all human. Unfortunately, humans all have a price. Usually, it's something dumb like recognition or covering their own poop like cats do with kitty litter to erase tracks of ever doing something wrong. You should never, ever, ever be ashamed of something wrong you've done. If you've done it, Own it and learn from it and don't do it again. So that's really important because the Nazis are here.
3: Here you go. But as it got closer to the war and the war progressed, then they changed.
4: By the 24th of March, 1933, with the passage of the Enabling Act, Hitler had obtained the legal authority to govern by decree.
1: And that's what they did with the CARES Act. They were governing by decree just like Hitler did. They did it on March 24th. Um, (laughs) They did it here on March 25th.
4: And civil liberties were suspended for four years.
2: Basically, he took over everything which gives
4: a state the power to exercise power. And he used it very ruthlessly.
1: So they are taking away any power you may have. What are they going after? Your state's not in charge of your elections. Your state's not in charge of your health. Your state's not in charge of anything. We are. They are sequestering the power, just like Hitler did.
4: They made it clear that anybody who resisted them was going to have a nasty time. That very quickly established their authority.
1: And that's never how. underestimate
4: the weapons of the state to dominate a population and control a population.
1: Can you see it? Can you see it? How b- this is history repeating itself again and again and again and again and again. And again. again. <laughs> how many times does it have to happen before you learn? They have taken over every facet of your life. Your state legislators sitting there with their thumbs up their butts, right? Not responding to crap that is being said. Like, oh, we need COVID passports. Hey, do you have a port in your state with Norwegian cruises? I would start on filing in your state and saying they should not be able to port in my state because they're demanding passports. That's, that's how you stop it. Because there are laws for that already. And discrimination to be able to enjoy a business is violating your constitutional rights. Move, do it. No one's gonna do it for you. Because they're all about money. They're all about clout. They're all about being famous you know, all those pretty things. I mean, this is why we lost the election fraud cases because everybody wanted to be a fucking hero rather than put their tail under their leg and say, how do we beat this? And there they were with their whole plan in their face and said, well, we can't use that because then we didn't do it. True story.
4: Now unchecked by democratic restraint. Hitler had the power he needed to wage legislative war on the people who had always been his target. People he believed were a threat to his thousand-year Reich. Jewish people made up less than 1% of the population.
1: I have to respond to this. Wait, this guy says, oh, shut up, we tried. So, Mr. Rye guy for me, listen carefully. Yeah, there were attempts. All the wrong fucking attempts. Because every single action that was taken was already predicted. They were being ushered like sheep to the slaughter. Right? They saw the plan. It was in their face. We gave it to all of them. Not one person didn't see it that had to see it, except for the president. They made sure he didn't see it. (laughs) They made sure he didn't see it. He saw it later. (laughs) <laughs> What's the point of later? Later it got to him because all of them failed. So don't tell me you th- that they tried. They tried to go up against their plan. That was in a process of two years. Have you read the Time Magazine article? So I suggest you either pay attention or go down for the Hopium route and join the we should just all get together along And fight this. You're not going to fight shit when you're not a David. When you want to be a Goliath against a Goliath. You don't have to be a Goliath to go up against a Goliath. You could be a Smurf and take down Goliath. If your course of action is not for you to be crowned, not for you to get stars in your eyes, but to actually better your backyard. And I think every American could get on board with that. So there were efforts, (laughs) but they were all pointless. Pointless. And it had to be this way, I guess. Because at some point, everyone gets humbled. I was humbled in my life. (laughs) God knows I was. It wasn't until I relinquished all control and said, you know what? That's it. I'm done. So don't tell me that we tried. Because no, they had the blueprints. They had the dates, the times, the strategies, the money, the talks, the conversations, the communications. But everybody else wanted to be a hero. And again, I say this, you know, only human. They do not know what they do sometimes
4: but Hitler was intent on removing any Jewish influence on German society. New laws enabled the dismissal of Jewish professionals from government positions. In September, under the direction of Joseph Goebbels, Jews working in the media and publishing were dismissed, removing their voices from German cultural life.
1: So couldn't the Germans at that point, or... In this case, as you could see, Americans that were being fired for their ideologies have stood up. Yeah, they could have. They could have. But you know what they did? They sacrificed one of their own first, right, to make it, like, fringe, right? So you've got to be, like, super dangerous in order to get shut up. So they threw one of their own. Then they took an actual person that made waves to disrupt them, got rid of them. Then they started getting rid of more fringe and then they got rid of good guys and then they got more fringe. Then they got good guys and they got these crazy, you know, <laughs> wannabe, <laughs> whatever. Until they got to your president. Nobody spoke. Nobody said, hold on a second. I'm going to go up to the mountain and fight Goliath. Wrong, 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 wrong. 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 You never bring a sword to a sword fight. You never bring a gun to a gun fight. Ever. In
4: 1935, the passage of the Nuremberg Laws enshrined persecution in law. Jews and gypsies were no longer citizens of the Reich. Marriage and extramarital relations with Aryans was also forbidden. The laws paved the way for the persecution which total war enabled it normalized violence and persecution.
1: So if you notice, the playbook of normalizing violence, right, was done in the summer. So we're just totally indifferent to it, right? Those cities and those places that were burned down to a crisp, right? We're watching, oh no, I guess nobody's doing anything about it. And that was under President Trump. That's because the emperor, right, always is surrounded by snakes. So we're gonna get into the emperor's new clothes. Because let's not forget, we are all looking at humans interacting, humans, humans that rely on other humans, humans that believe in good of humans. And here's the thing, most of the people that were strategizing with our president, most of the people that were for, for the president, for America, pro-America, let's do this, they're all from square-cut boxes. (laughs) They may be specialists in irregular warfare, right? But that's regular, irregular warfare. See, that was always my problem whenever I worked. I would work with these people that had 30 years of experience in irregular warfare. I even once worked with a relic from the OSS, right? And I was like, damn, this is why... You guys keep failing and you get caught or you get outflanked or whatever. Because irregular warfare is just that. It's irregular. There are no rules. Right? And if you can't think outside the rules that you've been trained to think at, you lose. You lose. You need to be able to stand on the moon and look down. And see all the possible outcomes. Both good, bad, and in between. You have to act in the nicest, most moral way, but you got to think in the most deceptive, evil way to be able to outflank the most extreme actions. And that's why they failed.
4: Violence against Jewish people had been rife throughout the 1930s. But the most well-known incident was Kristallnacht, the Night of the Broken Glass when on November 9, 1938, over 7,000 Jewish stores were looted, nearly 200 synagogues destroyed, 91 Jews killed, and 30,000 transported to concentration camps.
5: For Jews, it has had a deep impact on their consciousness and their memory, because most Jews realized, experiencing the burning of their synagogues the destruction of their homes, and the terror in streets, and symbolized the end of the German-Jewish relationship of what was also called the German-Jewish symbiosis. And most Jews gave up their hope or their notion that they still had a right to domicile in Germany.
3: So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have. Parle- you heard that,
1: right? So we're in a nation that provides us all these freedoms already. But now they've put stipulations on it that aren't even written into the Constitution. And everyone's sitting there focusing about the election. Oh, if we don't, you, you got to pick your battles. Right now, you got to put your foot down. You got to hurt the corporations where it's at. Because once you put your foot down on these COVID things, everything else comes down. You got to choose wisely. You got to choose wisely. You got to take these corporations down. Very wisely, very wisely, and unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of people that still think that they've got handle on it because they have the best technology for their time and their ability, uh, the best training, years under their belts. But they have to remember it was all constructed for them. They've been in regular irregular warfare. This is beyond the boundaries of anything you can imagine. The president saw it. He can see that. Listen to him tell you it. He knew what was coming.
5: Left radicals have become increasingly desperate and increasingly dangerous in their quest to transform America into a country you would not recognize, a country in which they control every aspect of American life just as socialist and communist movements have done all over the world. They're cracking down on all dissent and demanding absolute conformity. They want total control.
1: Yes, they do. Total control is their goal and you see it. This is where everyone has bent the knee. This isn't your average game of chess. Now I couldn't tell you how many hours, miles, uh, days, years, something will happen, right? I couldn't tell you in, in, in any shape or form anytime, but what I could tell you is as far as the stars would let me see. Now I've said this many times before, people like me do not exist. So I thought before, um, we get our coffee, we could uh, watch, right? We could watch a video about people that don't exist before we get into our next segment. So, I hope you guys enjoy this. It's kind of fun, and it's all verified. It's not myths and stories, There's many more that haven't been told. These are the only ones that have escaped into the public sphere.
6: Your day of work. You never exactly dreamed of working in border control at an airport when you were growing up. In fact, you hoped to become a world-renowned chef. But it's 1956 in Tokyo, and you had to take what you could get to support your family. So here you are. Tending to thoroughly examine the passports placed in front of you, when really there's no doubt in your mind that the person in front of you matches their photo. Smiling and playing along when another annoying tourist greets you by saying konnichiwa. Your mind is off in another world dreaming of creme brulee, when a smart-looking white guy in a nice suit approaches you. Nothing out of the ordinary there, but something catches your eye. His passport looks kind of weird. It's blue, but it almost has a purple tinge to it, and that's not the only thing. You don't recognize the design on the front either, is that a flower or a lion? Who knows? As someone who works day in and day out checking the passports of visitors to Tokyo, you thought you'd seen pretty much every passport under the sun, but this one has got you curious. As Mr. Suave approaches, you notice he's looking slightly disoriented, but you assume it's probably just jet lag. After all, he must be from a pretty exotic and far off location for you, of all people, to not recognize his passport. As he passes the passport over, you do a double take- wait, what? The document states very clearly that it's issued by the country of Torrid? Now you can't claim to know every country in the world without fail, but you're pretty sure there's nowhere in the world called Torrid. Starting to think you're going insane, you consult your documents to check that you've not had a minor case of amnesia. But nope, Torrid is not listed as a nation. Could it be one of those places caught up in a weird dispute about its sovereignty? Are you just being dumb and actually Taurat is another way of saying Namibia and Afrikaans? Conversing with you in fluent Japanese, he assures you that he's from Taurat. Thank you very much. Getting slightly irritated, he says he came to this very airport two times already this year and never had any issue getting through security before. Sure enough, he has the passport stamps from Japan and other locations all across the world, as well as having various currencies in his wallet. When you tell him you don't believe Torrid to be a country, he looks at you in disgust like you're the crazy one and says his nation has existed for a thousand years and is one of the most prosperous in the world. Okay, boomer. You sit in silence for a few seconds and you try to process what's happening. Could this be some sort of elaborate hoax? Maybe. But who would be stupid enough to pull a prank on a border control officer? Besides, this guy looks just as stressed as you are. He's either an incredible actor or he's genuinely from a country that doesn't exist. Oh hang on a minute, what are you even saying? Realizing you need some backup, and maybe some moral support too, you call your boss over. He doesn't know where Torred is either. Which is slightly reassuring, as it proves that you're not the one going insane, but it does raise some larger questions. Who the hell is this guy, and how did he get here, and why do his documents look kinda legit? Your boss produces a map and asks the man where Torred is. What an ideas man, you can see why he's in charge and not you. You expect him to point to the middle of the Indian Ocean or something, but much to your surprise, he places a finger on the border between France and Spain. Isn't that another country nobody ever talks about that's between the border of France and Spain? Andorra? Oh, wait, he's literally pointing at Andorra. Nice try, bud. This is getting ridiculous now. Yet he remains indignant that Torred does exist. You both sat there scratching your heads, but this guy's starting to get angry. He explains that he has a business meeting tomorrow and would like to get to his hotel room soon, thank you very much. Curious, you ask to see the supposed reservation. He smugly hands you a handwritten note with the phone number and the name of the hotel. You've heard of the place, actually, but when you ring the hotel says they have no reservation in the name given. He asks you to ring the man he has a business meeting with tomorrow instead. But the same thing happens, even the bank in his checkbook doesn't exist. At this point, the man has completely lost his original swagger and is visibly shaken. His face turns pale. He begs you to let him leave the airport, saying he doesn't know what's happening, but he also has nothing to hide and just needs to rest. Of course, it's not that simple. You're actually starting to feel bad for the guy, but you have no choice but to detain him in a nearby hotel guarded by immigration officials. When you go home that night, you can't stop thinking about what just happened. Maybe you'll wake up the next morning and there will suddenly be a logical explanation for everything, or maybe your boss will tell you that it was all some kind of joke or weird protocol and he can't believe you fell for it. Instead, you wake up to some alarming news. The man has disappeared, vanished into thin air, evaporated, gone, in a poof. Okay, you get the idea. The immigration officials who were guarding his room last night went to check on him in the morning and found he was nowhere to be seen. They claimed they stayed awake the whole night and barely heard a single noise from within the room. Well, accidents happen, freak accidents happen, but get a load of this. His personal documents were gone too. Even if you're willing to believe that the guard somehow fell asleep or that the man escaped through a window, how would he have retrieved his things? They were being held in an entirely separate location. How would he have even known where they were? It makes no sense. It's almost like it didn't happen. Funny that. But anyway, there are reports of similar incidents taking place. When I say,
1: So that was in the 50s in a, that's a true story. That was in the 50s and it happened in Japan. Wait, there's more. Because there are people that don't exist.
6: Reports, I don't mean police reports or anything along those lines. Just some tales started going around. There's one report of a man found wandering around Germany in 1850 who claimed to be from a country called Lexaria on the continent of Sakria. Because that totally doesn't sound like a load of letters flung together to create a made up word. The man could only speak a form of broken german and he knew no other major european languages in his imperfect german he explained that he traveled from laxaria across oceans to find his long-lost brother but had suffered a shipwreck and was now unable to find where he was or where he'd come from on a map similarly in 1905 a man caught stealing bread in paris started speaking an unrecognizable language and claiming to be from a place called Lisbia. And, I mean, we have no reason not to trust a man who just got caught committing a crime, but apparently the language he spoke appeared to have a real structure rather than just being gibber jabber. So how can we explain these strange, unbelievable events? Some have pointed to the Mandela Effect. Remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison back in the 80s? If your answer is yes, then you're not the only one. Many people from across the world claim to have seen TV and newspaper clips about Mandela passing away all those years ago, yet a quick Google search confirms that he was released from prison and died only in 2013. The Mandela Effect describes phenomena like this, where numerous people share the same false memory. Some claim the effect is easily explained by being people misremembering facts. Maybe they just have a memory of Mandela being stuck in prison for a long time and assumed he died. Wow, way to spoil all the fun. But still, there are some strange details that are harder to explain. Like why do so many people seem to remember the exact same details from his funeral? Put aside your logical explanations for a second and embrace the suspension of disbelief. Imagine that we exist within an infinite number of parallel universes. Many of these universes are practically identical, save for a few minor details. So in this universe I'm narrating a video for the infographic show about a man from a country called Tored that doesn't exist. And in another, I'm narrating a video about a man from a country called Andorra that doesn't exist. Trippy. It sounds a little crazy, but there are a few cases of people seemingly entering different dimensions. One woman, called Liria Garcia Gordo, woke up one day in pajamas she didn't recognize. Most aspects of her life appeared to be the same. She lived in the same house, and took the same route to work in the same car. Yet, as her day went on, she noticed many more inconsistencies and experienced a severe case of Jamais vu. When Lorena arrived at work, she noticed some people she didn't recognize in the building. Bizarrely, the door of her office had the wrong name on the front. After checking her IDs, she found that every single card had the wrong name on it too. Worst of all, when she tried to ring her boyfriend, she couldn't find his name in her phone. Instead, it seemed that she was still with her ex-boyfriend, someone she'd broken up with years ago. Thinking she might have suffered amnesia, Lorena checked the news, expecting to see completely different stories to those she had read last night. Eerily, everything was exactly the same. There was only one explanation- she was now in a different dimension. How did she get there? One idea is that wormholes allow us to slide between different parallel universes. Did Lorena and the travelers from unknown countries all fall into wormholes by accident? Maybe the man from Tor had found another wormhole and was able to return, or travel to yet another dimension. If you think that's wacky, there are even stranger theories. Maybe there was a glitch in the Matrix, causing the people to appear and then eventually the Matrix um, realized its mistake and sucked them straight back. Alternatively, it could be true that when we die in one dimension we move to another so we can continue living. Perhaps Lorena died in her sleep in one reality and woke up in another. Some people have even proposed time travel. It seems unlikely that Lorena and the other men were time travelers themselves, but they could have been affected by someone else traveling back in time and changing the timeline of one universe. So Torred could be from the past or from the future, although the man didn't seem to stand out in the airport in a way that you'd expect someone who just arrived from hundreds of years in the future. But could the timelines have been reversed so much that 1950s Japan in one universe is equivalent to Japan in year 3000 in another? Sheesh, this is getting complex. Of course, there's another explanation behind all this, and I hate to be a party pooper, but it's totally possible that the whole thing is just, well, made up. You might have been wondering what the original source or evidence I have been using, and I've got to admit, I got nothing. The story about the man from Torred was first mentioned in the Directory of Possibilities, a reference book about paranormal phenomena like ghosts and healing. The book has no evidence to prove this shocking tale actually happened, and it doesn't make much sense that an event supposedly happening back in the 1950s only came to light almost 30 years later. But who can say it isn't real? After all, the airport officials would never have made an official record of such a confusing event due to the controversy it would originate, right? Well, irrational as it sounds, I'm a sucker for a conspiracy theory myself. If you're with me on that one, why not check out our other videos on whether aliens are watching you right now and if the Earth could really be flat.
1: So that was interesting, wasn't it? I think that was interesting. So let's go get some coffee. And this song will... Kind of bring on what we're going to be talking about.
0: Welcome to the end of our eyes. I says, melted back to life. From my time and serve my sentence. Dress me up and watch me die. If it feels good tastes good. It must be mine. Dynasty decapitated. You just might see a ghost tonight.
1: Well, I don't know if you guys had ever heard um, Panic at the disco's song, Emperor's New Clothes. Um, But I think it's important we talk about that a little bit today. And um, before we do, we're going to talk about Emperor Caligula that was actually killed by his own Praetorian guard. And the reason that I'm saying this is not to uh, infer any death, but to demonstrate how people... Some people think they know best for most, and it's all about control and power. Everyone loves control and power. Uh, This is why in 1984, Ingsoc was so successful. If you remember, it was a corporation that did it, right? That would watch. They took over. They were extremely powerful. They were uh, providing all the goods they needed, all the jobs they needed, all the power they needed, all the housing they needed, everything. And it was ruled by one person. No utopia exists without concentrating power to one. And that one can simply be a company or an entity, so it's quite important that you watch this short clip of his story. Here we go.
7: Hello and welcome to Pod. On the 24th of January 41 AD, Caligula became the first Roman emperor to be assassinated. Killed by a small group of Praetorian guardsmen in a cryptoporticus, an underground corridor beneath his palace on the Palatine Hill, he was succeeded by his uncle Claudius. Caligula had come to power in March 37 AD, following the death of his great-uncle and adoptive grandfather, Emperor Tiberius. The early stages of his reign saw him lauded by the people as our baby and our star, while he built support through granting bonuses to the Praetorian Guard and other soldiers, and by providing the people of Rome with games and circuses. However, following a severe illness in October, it's reported that Caligula's behaviour slowly became more tyrannical, to the point of megalomania. Only two sources exist from his rule, those of Philo of Alexandria and Seneca the Younger, but both demonstrate acts of enormous cruelty and, to some extent, insanity. Caligula banished or executed his rivals, including his own father-in-law and brother-in-law, cousin and adoptive son. He was accused of numerous sexual transgressions, including incest with his own sisters, and of turning the palace into a brothel. Furthermore, in AD 40, he began to style himself as a living god and introduced religious policies that required people to worship him as such. However, perhaps most famously, he is alleged to have wanted to make his favourite horse a consul. Such actions had led to three failed conspiracy attempts against him. But on the 24th of January, 141 AD, three Praetorian guards, led by Cassius Cheria, cornered him in a corridor and stabbed him to death.
1: So, his own guards stabbed him to death because they assumed that he was done. Now, happy birthday, Truth Ray, happy birthday. Um, May you have many more healthy and happy years to come. And for those of you, I I get messages like, oh, wait a minute, I watched that movie. Wait a minute, I thought of that. Wait a minute, you're getting on the right frequency right there. You're elevated. You may be in the valley, but your antennas are high. So how does this work, right? So what I I am thinking is, I want to tell you the story of the emperor's new clothes myself. And then I'm going to have someone else tell you the story. And then you're going to understand what it really means. And it's not talking about clothes. Clothes. Many years ago, there was an emperor who was v- so very fond of new clothes that he spent all his money on them. He, didn't, uh, he did not trouble about his soldiers. He did not care to go to the theater. He only went out when he had the chance to show off his new clothes. He had a different suit for each hour of the day. Most kings would be found sitting in council. It was said of the emperor, he's sitting in his wardrobe. One day, two fellows, calling themselves weavers, came to town. They said that they knew how to weave cloth of the most beautiful colors and patterns. The clothes made from this wonderful cloth would be invisible to everyone who was unfit for the job he held, or who was very simple in character. These must indeed be splendid clothes, thought the emperor, If I add such a suit, I might at once find out what men in my kingdom are unfit for their job. I would be able to tell the wise men from the foolish. This stuff must be woven for me immediately. He gave large sums of money to both the weavers in order that they may begin their work at once. So the two pretended weavers, pretending weavers, set up two looms. They worked very busily, though in reality they did nothing at all. They asked for the finest silk and the purest gold thread. They put both into their own knapsacks. Then they pretended to work at the empty looms until late at night. I should like to know how the weavers are getting on with my cloth, said the emperor to himself one day, when he remembered that a simpleton, or one unfit for his job, would be unable to see the cloth, he began to worry. To be sure, he thought he was safe. However, he would prefer sending somebody else to bring him news about the weavers and their work. All the people in the kingdom had heard of the wonderful cloth All were eager to learn how wise or how foolish their neighbors might be. I will send my faithful old wise men to the weavers, said the emperor at last. He will be best to be able to see how the cloth looks. He is a man of sense. No one can be better for this job than he is. So the faithful old wise man went into the hall. Where the, where the thieves were working with all their might at their empty looms. What can be the meaning of this? Thought the old man, opening his eyes very wide. I cannot find the least bit of thread on the looms. However, he did not say his thoughts aloud. The thieves asked him very kindly to be so good as to come nearer to their looms. They asked him whether the cloth pleased him. They asked whether the colors were beautiful or not. All the time they were pointing to the empty frames. The poor old wise man looked and looked. He couldn't see anything on the looms for a good reason. There was nothing there. What? Thought He thought again. Is it possible that I'm a fool? I have never thought so of myself. No one must know it now If I am so, can it be that I'm unfit for my job? No. The emperor must not know that either. I will never tell that I did not see the stuff. Well, sir, said one of the weavers, still pretending to work, you don't say whether the cloth pleases you. Oh, it's excellent, replied the old wise man, looking at the loom through his spectacles. This pattern and the colors, yes, I will tell the emperor without delay how very beautiful I think them. We shall be much obliged to you, said the thieves. Then they named the many colors and described the pattern of the pretended stuff. The old wise man listened with care to their words so he might repeat them to the emperor. The thieves asked for more silk and gold, saying that it was necessary to complete what they had begun. Once again, they put all that was given to them in their knapsacks. They went on working with as much effort as before on their empty looms. "'The emperor soon sent another man from his court "'to see how the weavers are getting on. "'Now he wanted to know if the cloth would be soon ready. "'It was just the same with this gentleman "'as it was with the wise man. First, he looked closely at the looms on all sides. "'He could see nothing at all but empty frames. "'Does not the stuff appear as beautiful to you "'as it did to my lord, the wise man?' "'asked the thief of the emperor's second advisor. "'I certainly am not stupid,' thought the man. "'It must be that I'm not fit.' For my good job, that is very odd. However, no one shall know anything about it. And so he praised the stuff he could not see. He declared that he was happy with both colors and patterns. Indeed, your imperial majesty, he said, his emperor, when he returned, the cloth which the weavers are preparing is extraordinarily magnificent. The whole city was talking about the splendid cloth, which the emperor had ordered to be woven. Finally, the emperor himself wished to see the cost material while it was still in the loom. He took many officers to the court and two honest men he had that already admired the cloth. As soon as the weaver saw the emperor approach, they went on working faster than ever, although they still did not pass even one thread through the looms. "'Is not the work absolutely magnificent?' said the two officers to the crown. "'Already mentioned,' Uh, If your majesty will only be pleased to look at it, what a splendid design, what glorious colors. And at the same time, they pointed to the empty frames, for they imagined that everyone else could see the exquisite workmanship. How is this? said the emperor to himself. I can't see anything. This is indeed a terrible affair. Am I a simpleton, or am I unfit to be emperor? That would be the worst thing that could happen. Oh! The cloth is charming, he said aloud. I approve of it completely. He smiled most graciously and looked closely at the empty looms. No way would he say that. He could not see what his two advisers had praised so much. Everyone with the Emperor now strained his or her eyes, hoping to discover something on the looms, but they could see no more than the others. Nevertheless, they all exclaimed, Oh, how beautiful, and advised his majesty to have some new clothes made for him, the splendid material for the parade that we planned. Magnificent, charming, excellent, was called out on all sides. Everyone was cheerful. The emperor was pleased. He He presented weavers with the emblem of an order of the knighthood. The thieves sat up all night, Before the day on which the parade would take place, they had sixteen lights burning so that everyone might see how anxious they were to finish the emperor's new suit. They pretended to roll the cloth of the looms. They cut the air with scissors and sewed with needles without any thread in them to see, cried at last, Look, the emperor's new clothes are ready. The emperor, with all the grandees of his court, came to the weavers. The thieves raised their arms as if in act of holding something up. Here... "'are your majesty's trousers. "'Here is the scarf. "'Here is the mantle. "'The whole suit is light as a cobweb. <laughs> "'One might fancy one has nothing on at all "'when dressed in it. "'Yes, indeed,' said all the quarters, "'although none of them could see anything "'of this special cloth. "'The emperor was undressed for a fitting, "'and the thieves pretended to array him in his new suit. "'The emperor turned around from side to side "'before the looking-glass.' How splendid His Majesty looks in his new clothes, and how well they fit, everyone cried out. What a design! What colors! These are indeed royal robes. I'm quite ready, said the Emperor. He appeared to be examining his handsome suit. Lords of the bedchamber, who were to carry His Majesty's train, felt about the ground as if they were lifting up the ends of a mantle, and they pretended to be carrying something, for they would by no means want to appear foolish or not fit for their jobs. The emperor walked under his high canopy in the midst of the procession, through the streets of the capital. all the people standing by and those at the windows cried out, Oh, how beautiful our Emperor's new clothes! What a magnificent train there is uh, to this mantle! How gracefully the scarf hangs! No one would admit uh, these much-as-Meyer's clothes could not be seen, because in doing so, he, he would have been saying that he was either a simpleton or unfit for his job. But the Emperor has nothing at all on, said a little child. Listen to the The voice of the child exclaimed his father. What the child had said was whispered from one to another, but he has nothing on at all. At last, uh, cried out all the people. The emperor was upset, for he knew that the people were right. However, he thought the procession must go on now. The lords of the bedchamber took greater pains than ever to appear holding up a train, although in reality there was no train to hold, and the emperor walked on his underwear. So now you're going to hear it from someone else. And then we're going to see how this applies to things we are seeing today, believe it or not. Here we go.
8: There was once a vain emperor who just loved clothes. More than ruling his land wisely, he seemed interested only in changing into a new suit every hour. He would visit the theater and go out in his carriage so that the people would get to see his new suits every day. How he loved to show off his new clothes to all the people. Instead of discussing with his ministers the state of the kingdom, he was more interested in their opinion of his clothes.
9: So, my dear ministers, What do you think of my new dress? Isn't it better than the one I wore yesterday? Your Majesty,
8: it is absolutely wonderful. What a beautiful design. The stories of the Emperor's love for clothes spread far and wide and reached the ears of two scoundrels. The cunning fellows landed up at the Emperor's court one day and asked to meet the Emperor. And what work do you have with the Emperor? He is a busy man and cannot be meeting everyone oh
10: we are very fine weavers, sir and we can weave clothes like none other in the kingdom we have heard that the emperor loves clothes and have come to make him a suit with our beautiful cloth the emperor has got so many suits made of so many different cloths what is so different in your cloth well you see
0: our cloth is so light and delicate that it is almost invisible in fact it is visible only to those who are fit to do the jobs they are doing and fools most
8: certainly cannot see our cloth. When the courtier heard this, he rushed to tell the emperor about this amazing new cloth that the two weavers were talking about. Fools cannot see it,
9: you say, and it's invisible to those not suited for their jobs. This I must see. Go fetch them immediately. If what they say is true, then I will know who among my ministers and courtiers should be removed from their posts.
8: The courtier ran to bring the two weavers to the emperor. Come on, you two. The emperor shall see you now, and your cloth better be as good as you claim it to be. The two weavers were presented before the emperor, where he sat with his ministers.
10: So, you weave a special cloth, is it? Yes, your majesty. It is a cloth that none other can weave very well you will
9: be provided with everything you need and you must spin this cloth here in the palace here's a bag of gold to start with and you can ask for anything else you might want
0: of course your majesty we will spin the cloth here and make the most splendid suit for you
8: a suit which no one would have ever seen the emperor ordered two looms to be set up in a room Weavers asked for golden thread and the finest of silks, all of which they hid away in their bags and pretended to be working away at the looms.
1: All right, I'm going to pause it for a second. So, OK, so who's the emperor? It's the people, right? We want the best. We want this. And anybody that can't see it is wrong. But it's also the Republican Party. It's also your elected officials. It's also just the average people. It's just everybody. For everything. This is this was a story of a psyop. All right? And here they are weaving and saying, oh, we need the gold thread. We need the silk. Give it, give it, give it. Yeah, we need the money. We need the money so that we can um, help, right? This is one. Oh, let's help with this COVID. Let's help. Give us the money. Give us the money. We're just gonna make something, and then everyone's dying. Look, can't you see it? You're crazy. You're foolish. If you can't see it, what 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 what, what do you mean? He he lost the election. Then we stole it. Only the foolish would say it. Pay attention.
8: In the meanwhile, the emperor was getting more and more curious to know what the weavers were doing and decided to send his trusted minister to have a look. Minister, you are one of my most senior
9: ministers and among the most sensible, so I know I can trust you and your judgment.
1: So you serve in my cabinet. I trust your judgment. Now go off and tell me about this controller virus. So you, who's most trusted and everybody loves and considers you a patriot, I trust you, go off and tell me about these elections.
9: I want you to go and look at the cloth the weavers are weaving and let me know how it's coming along. The other ministers might not be able to see the cloth. You understand. Of course, your majesty. I know exactly what you were trying to say.
8: So the minister went to the room where the weavers were busy working.
1: I just wanted to stop. Someone commented, the psyop is convincing everyone that the boy is a hero and the emperor is a fool. Actually, no. It's the common folk, right? Remember, if you couldn't see it, you weren't fit to do your job. So is a kid not fit to be a kid because he could see it? That's a point. Christian Anderson even talked about psyops back then. They were very effective. They're not, like, deployed the way they are now. But that's not the PSYOP. The PSYOP was convincing those of power that if they did not get on board, they would be the fools. And that's how it works. Oh, come in.
0: Come in, sir. Have a look at this beautiful and intricate design we have woven. And the colors. Look how vibrant they are. Don't you like it, sir? We have worked really, really hard. Uh, Oh, yes. Yes. I have never seen such beautiful workmanship. I must tell the Emperor. Carry on, carry on making the wonderful material. And sir, could you please make arrangements for some more gold, thread, and silk to be provided? Yes, yes, of we course. We need
1: more money. Good
0: heavens. More time on I TV. I to anyone that I cannot see anything.
8: Are my spectacles not right? Or am I an idiot not fit to do my job? The minister went back to the Emperor having decided to not mention that he could see no cloth being woven. After so many years of serving the Emperor, he did not want it to be known that he was not suited for his job. No, no, that would never do.
9: Well, Minister, what do you think of the cloth those weavers are working on? Oh, Your Majesty,
0: I don't have words to describe it. The colors and design are like nothing I have ever seen. It is that good,
9: is it? Do you think I should wear a suit of that cloth to the grand procession I shall be leading soon? Of course, your majesty. Everyone will be looking at you.
8: The weavers continued pretending to work on the looms. They asked for more gold thread and more of the finest silk available, and of course, put all this away in their bags. They asked for more candles, pretending to work late into the night. Their scissors went snip 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 in the air, needles weaving in and out of imaginary cloth with no threads in them. After some time, The Emperor again grew curious about the new cloth the weavers were weaving.
9: I think I will now send my trusted courtier to see how those two are progressing.
8: The Emperor sends summons for the courtier to come.
9: Courtier, go and see how my new suit is coming along, and come back and tell me everything in detail.
8: So the courtier made his way to the room where the weavers were busy on their looms.
10: Welcome, sir. Have you come to see the Emperor's suit? We are sure neither you nor the Emperor will be disappointed. We are working very hard to make sure it is ready for the Emperor to wear for the procession.
0: And how do you like it, sir? Have you ever seen such a
8: magnificent design or such a perfect blend of colours? The courtier was as confused as the minister. He could see absolutely nothing. And admitting that would mean he was an idiot and not fit to do the job he was doing. Like the minister, He had no intention of being labeled a fool. I must
10: say it is an amazing suit, absolutely befitting of our great ruler. And you are right, I have never seen such marvelous craftsmanship.
8: The courtier listened carefully to how the weavers were describing the suit, because he did not know what he could tell the emperor otherwise. How could he describe something he could not see at all? All right, so
1: that was the question I was waiting for. Tori, why did the emperor not vet the weavers? Now, pay attention. The weavers said they had all this cloth. The weaver said this. They came recommended, right, by his own people, and that's why they got an audience. The people recommended them. So they were pushed by the people. They were promoted by the people as bona fide, as strong, as this, as that, and by the people of his court, all right? So it wasn't the average people. Right? It was his own people. It was the people in his ranks, right? That vouched for them. Lies, 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 and
8: more lies.
9: So, courtier, what do you think of the new suit?
8: The courtier described in great detail the pattern and colours, exactly as the weavers had told him. He certainly did not want to admit he could see nothing, as that would make him an idiot in everyone's eyes.
9: Ah, Well, I think tomorrow I shall go and see the suit for myself. Everyone seems to be praising it so much. I can't wait to see it for myself.
8: The next day, the Emperor went to the room where the weavers were pretending to be busy weaving. Up and down their hands flew while their eyes were fixed on the looms, concentrating so hard on the imaginary cloth. Oh, Your Majesty, we have been waiting
10: to show you your new suit. It is so beautiful. Even better than we had expected. People will be talking of nothing but your suit at the procession. Here, have a look at the jacket and the trousers. I am sure they will fit your majesty like a second skin. And the cloak. Isn't it magnificent? They are all so light and fragile,
8: like a spider's web. The emperor looked hard, but he could see nothing.
9: I am the emperor of the land. And if I say I cannot see anything, my
8: people think I'm not fit to rule them. That cannot happen. For fear of being considered a fool, the emperor also went along with what the others had said and greatly admired the suit. The day of the procession, the weavers pretended to help the emperor wear the suit, pretending to handle it very carefully. Come,
10: your majesty, stand before this mirror. Here, please wear the jacket and trousers.
1: So as you could see, this whole story that Hans Christian Andersen actually put together is about a PSYOP. Now, President Trump isn't the, the emperor that wanted the new clothes. This goes to a lot of facets from his administration from the minute he entered. I mean, when you go into an office, right, you don't know the full job, right? You know, you're great with economy. You're great with seeing the bigger picture. You're great at making deals. And that's what the people want. And you're just the people's voice. You rely on other people to do their job honestly right and to guide you accordingly that your military will not stray you right that your uh cabinet your health secretary your secretary of state your vice president that's been in office for a while uh the head of uh you know the republican party the rnc you know you expect all these people that have been doing this for a while to help guide you but the the thing is is that all of them have been operating within the boundaries of the construct, the construct that they created of this fourth unelected branch of government that was implemented. All of them, every single general and admiral has fallen into line. Let's talk about the UAVs in Libya. Let's talk about the UAVs in Libya, because that coming out will lock up. Those are crimes against humanity. Those are against the law, yet silence. See, we have to pick the right fights. He was surrounded by so many. Huh, the clothes could simply be the control of virus. He's not a scientist. He has the top scientists talking to him who are getting their information from other scientists. You know, not people that could be like, come here, let me show you how this works. Look at this microscope. So this is what an ammonia looks like. Right, This is what a virus looks like. It's actually created in your body. Um, It can't live outside, maybe in a water droplet for like an hour max. Big pool of water. Let's put it this way. But, you know, we create viruses. This is how we expel garbage from our body. These are actually all manufactured. Take a look. This is how it works. This is how it operates. This is what the real science is. Come, let me teach you. He had no one teach him. They were just giving him reports. Well, you know, he's a busy man. He's the president. He can't take the time to learn. That's because nobody knows it well enough to educate right nobody that surrounded him was smart enough to sit down and give him the five minute thing here's a microscope look this is what you're looking at look at the tv right there this is what we're looking at right now that's what they're saying is happening i don't see how it's happening but i do see a graphene line this looks manufactured dude this looks bad maybe we could trace it back and see who else has this in what laboratories let's pull that stuff let's pull communications let's see nobody did that and so by the time he realized it was bullshit. He had to go through with it because you can't go against them. Because then, like the Weavers, you're going to be called nuts. They're going to 25th Amendment you, right? We've said this before. We said this before. His whole administration was just a handful of people that were never in politics, right? Were corrupt. It's all about themselves. Save me, put me on a pedestal. I could tell you on January 7th, I met a man who was waiting to be appointed by President Trump. It took me two minutes. And I looked at Bergie and I was like, he's corrupt. What? Professor. Ivy League. Are you kidding? This guy, nothing. This guy's talking about Venezuela. He's a tool. He's an infiltrator. He needs to be out. This is how it is. It's okay to not know things. It's okay. It's okay. No one's going to fault you for not knowing something. I don't expect my president to be able to even operate a microscope. I don't expect my president, right, to even know what kind of algorithms play in voting machines. I don't expect him. But I do expect average day Americans that do do this for a living to step up and surround him with knowledge. See takes a little kid, an outsider. That's a nobody. That says, Look at me. I'm absolutely nothing, and I'm telling you the truth. For other people to see the truth too. And it spreads like wildfire. Next time around, don't hire people in DC. Next time around. Don't put your eggs in the baskets of those that have massive followings. They're deceitful. Next time around, look at those with the heart. That's what has to happen. Our president tried his best, and he had everything going against him. Distraction after distraction, bad advice after bad advice. When they even had the damn blueprints, they didn't even show it to him. He saw it after, you know, Biden was sworn in. That's how many people were in between. Yet the people that are put on pedestals as leading the pack had it from November, October, September. I'm frustrated. And we should all be. This is why it's important that we all become Davids. The stone is not ours to throw. It is his. God always wins. And if you have faith in yourself and have faith in how you can get your community, it only starts. It only takes one spark. So start a forest fire, right? Be that spark in your backyard. I'm pretty sure left and right, they all want to have control over what happens in their community, right? Their backyard. I think everybody wants their neighbor to have a job. I think everybody wants their neighbors to have access to health care. I think everybody wants their neighbors to be able to live a prosperous life, according to their effort, of course, to have a great education. I do not believe... That your local communities will dismiss you for wanting what's right for the local community. And if you start there, and the next one, and then the next one, it's completely overwhelming and they lose power because the power is back in your hands. God always wins. And we can fix this. Because we are the news. So, on that note, guys, I'm gonna bid you goodbye for today. And I will see you tomorrow And we'll talk about Brennan tomorrow I just thought it was really, really important That we cover this God bless
3: I'm gonna
0: fight them all Seven Nation Army Couldn't hold me back They're gonna rip it off Taking their time right behind my back And I'm talking to myself at
3: night Because I can't forget And welcome to American Agenda. I'm Heather Childers, and we are very pleased today to have as our guest the forty-fifth President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, who will be joining us by phone shortly. And we, of course, have a lot to talk about with the president. But first, let's bring in Mark Halpern, Steve Cortez, and Bruce Lavelle. The president's phone call. Uh, Mark, we were mentioning that we have a lot to talk. About. We were just discussing. You've already had a lot to say about it. Didn't you?
5: Well, they had a very strong bill, and I guess the governor rejected it because it was too strong, and then they went with a watered down bill. In, uh, if, if you look at, uh, you know, the history of it, they went with a very strongly watered down bill that they don't have a very, you'd like to have. They call it watered down in Georgia, and now also again, woke is not good for our country. Woke is not good. And I hope a lot of people I look, I, I think people are giving up on baseball. Anyway, you look at the fans are mm-hmm. way down. Everything's way down. I don't think anybody cares, but uh, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be hurting the people of Georgia. Yeah. They shouldn't be doing that, especially for a bill that is less you Have where they're moving, where they're moving the all-star game to.
3: Right. Less Obviously, in Denver, Georgia, but there's less available days to vote there. Um, So obviously, that wasn't the real issue when it came to the Georgia law and all of these companies that jumped in the media reaction. So what do you think is really behind all the wokeness with these corporations bandwagon?
5: Well, Georgia's got a lot of difficulties. I mean, you look at uh, in this uh, new law, I don't believe they have signature matching. Now, why wouldn't they have signature matching? A lot of the real power, a lot of the guts have been taken out of it. They had something that was very powerful, meaning fair and good for the people. But it was it was strong. You have to you have to be a citizen. You have to be all of the things that you have to be and signature idea, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't have signature matching, as I understand it. That's not good. Down from the original one. Look, it's uh, you're just the law.
3: The less some people call it
5: diverse.
3: All these companies, though, that are uh, being woke now. You have Coca Cola. You have Delta, United Airlines. I think last night issued a statement. Uh, American Airlines has already jumped on board and issued a statement uh, because the state of Texas is talking about, you know, some of these voter and election integrity laws that they want to strengthen.
5: Oh, let them try boycotting Texas. Texas will teach them a lot, I can tell you. Let them try it. Look, uh what's going it shouldn't be. Uh, frankly, these companies should stay out of it because they, they all they do is aggravate people and, and people are not happy with it. And uh, the people you're talking about, some of them live in foreign countries. They run these big multinational companies and they're making calls from London and other places and they don't even know what's happening. No, I think it's a disgrace. And frankly, if Republican conservatives ever got their act together, which they should, mm-hmm. uh, if we had some real leadership instead of Mitch McConnell and the group, if we had some real leadership, what you'd be doing is something much different. They'd be boycotting these companies and those companies would be coming. That's what the liberals do. Mm-hmm. They boycott anybody that speaks out. They boycott them. They cancel them and they boycott them. We have more people than they do. So what should happen is the Republicans and, let's say, Republican conservatives, Republicans, you get the right, boycott these companies that are so uh, you'd find that they would come back quickly. But uh, the liberals, the radical left plays a much to the Democrats. They play a much tougher game. Should we baseball? Well, I have, you know, look, I'm just not very interested in baseball Mm -hmm. for the last number of years. I think it's not appropriate. You know, you look, it's uh, you want to find a game It's on. It's on every channel, and yet you can't find anything. Yeah. It's the, the weirdest thing. It used to be a nice, easy thing to follow.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, and you know what I mean by that. It was on one network, and yeah. it was nice and good and beautiful. Today, you don't even know what the hell you're watching. So uh, I, I would say boycott baseball, why not? I think what they did was a terrible thing. I think it's a very unfair thing. And they didn't even know the bill. And, in fact, I think they were aware of the bill it was going along. Everybody was okay with it. Then as soon as Stacey Abrams speaks up, uh, they end up uh, opposite. We have more people than they do. It's the power of the people should boycott those companies that are all of a sudden uh, so righteous. Mm-hmm. You would find that they would come right back because the bill—it's a week they do, which is a—but even a little bit aside from what I hear, which is a big, and yeah. we don't have a lot of other things that we had two or three weeks in the Georgia that... legislature. And and frankly, when they signed mm-hmm. the consent decree. Uh, they never had it approved by the legislature. So in theory, it should be, uh, illegal or unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have those things approved by the state legislature, the constitution. Mm-hmm. It's there for everybody. Mm-hmm. everybody had that approved by the decree. That's decree right. for the horror right. for Republicans. They never had it approved by the state legislature. Therefore, it's unconstitutional. Let, it me, be yeah,
3: let me ask you this. Um, and this goes to some of what you're speaking about. Why did the Republican Party not push harder for some of these election integrity laws Um, prior to the election. So we didn't have to come back around and fight all of these issues in the courts after the fact. Why did the the Republican Party and and Mitch McConnell and others not follow through to begin with?
5: All right. The governor and the secretary of state should have done all of this before the election, not after the election. That's number one. And I believe we won substantially anyway. Because we had a group, and that's why the senators, what happened to the presidential, in the presidential, a lot of them voted Democrat because they What happened? to take it away. Mm-hmm. And it's a disgrace because there's a great people in Georgia. They know exactly what happened. They did things, they made all these changes, but in particular, the consent mm-hmm. decree, and they never got legislative approval. Unconstitutional. Right. And without the consent decree... The Republicans would have won anything, and then Mitch McConnell was fighting over $600 versus $2,000. So the Democrats are saying we'll give you $2,000 plus, and mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell saying we'll give you no more than $600. So between the anger from the presidential election mm-hmm. and uh, Mitch McConnell saying we'll give you $600 and not, and mm-hmm. we have a race, and, and they're going to get handled. Very right. badly, I will tell you, very incompetently.
3: Well, trying and to fix...
5: we have some great Republicans, yeah. but we need them in leadership positions. Right.
3: Well, you know, we see what's happened after the fact. Uh, just one of the many crises that are going border situation. Yep. Uh, I did want to get your comments on that because there's reports out today that the Biden administration is follow through plug. But now they're talking about uh, going back wall in the parts that were not yet complete. Uh, they reversed immediately without going down there to the border and determining what could or could not be done. What do you think that the Biden administ- administration needs to do to now?
5: Well, I think it's great that they reversed themselves, but a lot of damage was done because we were going to have that wall almost complete. Uh, you know, it delayed two and a half years because of lawsuits. The Democrats sued us in Congress, and we want all of the suits to start. And they and it's, you know, just inc- if they agree that this is this, very this, little this, to complete, this, if they agree that they're going to think,
3: we have run the yeah. images of uh, else terrible. has. Um, the, uh, but there was such blowback and pushback to you, some of these images that were actually not a responsibility of yours these the children yeah. in the cages that came from the Obama right. administration. but these right. images are the Biden administration, but the media is silent on it.
5: The media is corrupt. the media is fake for a long time. fake news uh, the media is fake. elections uh, are are not by the election where I think, a million votes. Uh, you have it made we got 75 million mm-hmm. far greater and then they had ballot dumps in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. uh it's a just so people don't trust the elections right. they don't trust a lot but they don't, certainly don't trust the media the media is uh in fair press we uh, don't have that a lot of we facts, don't have a fee we don't right. have a free and fair media that i can tell you right it's it, a it corrupt, is troubling it's largely a corrupt media
3: I want to ask you about the Biden administration and foreign policy. A lot of folks are questioning his health and issues that, that he's had. We didn't have the press conference until 64 days in China, North Korea, um, Iran and Russia. When it comes to foreign policy and what the Biden administration is doing, specifically North Korea, not even taking their phone call. Obviously, you had a relationship with Kim Jong-un. Have you spoken to him? And what do you think about the Biden administration when it comes to? North-
5: well, I had a very good relationship mm-hmm. with Kim Jong-un in the end. We started off rough, but we got along very well and we like each other. And it, it was a good thing. If you remember when I first came in, everyone thought we were going to war with North Korea mm-hmm. and that. Now I notice that, uh, it's a very bad situation and very bad situation with China. Uh, China never spoke to me the way they spoke to our representatives that way. The way they spoke to our people, horrible. And, uh, I had a deal done very quickly with Iran, the way, mm-hmm. and now back into the unthinkable, uh, and the
4: Middle you- East.
5: We had, we had peace. We were going to have peace. We were, words were incredible and, and acknowledged to be incredible. And then, of course, I came up with the vaccine. We pushed mm-hmm. people like they've never been pushed before at the FDA and and elsewhere, and got a vaccine done in nine months instead of five years. Right. And uh, it's you know we did a great job, but uh, now we have somebody else running it. If you look at uh, China, they have ships all over the place. They have you know very threatening, mm-hmm. having to do with Taiwan, very threatening. I was never threatened. Why do you think that
3: is? Why do you think that you were treated so differently uh, than they have come and treated uh, President Biden?
5: Well, they have to respect you if they don't share the same thing with Russia. They weren't aggressive with me. They weren't aggressive with our country, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that we had the Russian hoax, which made it tougher for them and for us. It was a hoax between Schiff and all these other characters. A bunch of crooks, but that was a hoax—the mm-hmm. Russian hoax. We went all through that. But despite that, they had respect for the president, and they had respect for our country. They don't respect our country anymore. It's uh, since this happened. Yeah. it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, they see, and uh, it's not a good situation. And I hope mm-hmm. standpoint mm-hmm. physically, but and mentally. Mm-hmm. But uh, I certainly hope he's well. But. Countries are not respecting our leadership, that's for sure.
3: Do you think that he is capable of doing the job you had to do for our people? The fact that you drive to do he is up for someone
5: well, It does take that kind of drive, and it takes tremendous, uh, as you can imagine. I mean, you need the highest levels of, of every ingredient necessary. I mean, full time, it's uh, 50 hours a day, <laughs> and you understand what I mean by that. It's right. a lot of work. And I think other people are making most of the decisions, but I may be wrong about that. I don't know. You All know, right. look, uh, I debated him and uh, I was, you know, a little surprised what was being said.
3: Let's uh, talk about.
5: I don't I don't really be honest with decisions. Let's put it. He said if he if he ever won, he would never have gone anywhere near this. He cannot believe what's going on. This is Bernie Sanders on steroids. <laughs> Our country, socialist nation. Sanders on steroids. And uh, the only good thing to come out is now they finally agreed. After screwing up the construction, which was going along perfectly, is going to be finished soon. They'll complete the wall. Yeah. Which shouldn't take them a long period of time. But that's a good thing. That's a very good thing.
3: I wanted to but, ask you. Uh, I wanted to ask you about vaccine. Making- and since you talked about Bernie Sanders, the infrastructure plan that everyone is talking about—that includes everything. Under the sun, infrastructure, usually at least under your structure, was bipartisan. It was a bipartisan effort. This administration seems to be making no bipartisan either. Or this multi-trillion-dollar infrastructure plan that includes uh, clean, the Green New Deal, and what they're calling human infrastructure. Uh, what do you see as the path moving forward for any type of bipartisanship? And what happens when it comes to taxes? They're talking about uh, reversing the corporate tax lowered and yep. raising it again to twenty-eight percent.
5: Well, you have companies leaving our country. I brought them back. So many companies came back, and they invested money in the country, like numbers that nobody could even believe. They weren't able to bring their money back in because of the tax structure was too high, so they left their money, work do do all of the work in other countries. And it was coming in by the trillions, and it was a great thing what was happening, and all of that's going to be reversed. It's, It's a very sad, including jobs. We had the greatest job numbers in history. Nobody's ever had numbers even close. And all of that now, and I did it twice because I did it once. And then the plague came in from China. And then after, you know, after we, we, our foundation was so strong, you know, we're doing better than any other country in the world right now. And Mm -hmm. that's because of the foundation that we built economically. And even with COVID, you know, they used to say, oh, look at Germany and look at France and look at, well, they're all shut down. They're at a Desperate position right now, and we're open with where we have good Republican leadership, like in Florida and Texas and some of the other places. I mm-hmm. mean, we're open and doing, you know, really well and doing better numbers than the places that are closed, like New York, better numbers medically or with COVID. Uh, we're doing much better numbers in the uh, states that have been opened and run right. by Republicans. So, look, I think uh, it's uh, very sad when you watch what's mm-hmm. happening. And again, the only glimmer is they want to finish the wall now. That was a big mistake. And uh, at least they're, you know, I'm right. not knocking them. I'm i am giving them maybe the other, the opposite of that. At least they're willing to say we made a mistake and we're going to finish the right. wall.
3: Well, you mentioned, um, you know, a glimmer of hope. Looking forward to 2022, you have been out there already endorsing some candidates. Uh, who would be your next big endorsements that you would make?
5: Well, we have a lot of them coming up, you'll see, and and, uh, everybody wants the endorsement because if Mm -hmm. they don't get the endorsement, they're not going to win. For the most part, they're not going to win. We just endorsed a uh, fantastic young woman from Louisiana, as you know, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, she ended up winning in Congress. Her husband passed away, COVID-19. He just got elected. He was congressman elect. Mm And she ran, and most people expected a runoff or less, and she ended up getting 65% of the vote after we endorsed her. So everybody wants the endorsements, and uh, we are going to be announcing quite a few of them over the next couple of weeks. And I think all of those people that we endorse are going to go on to victory. People see what's happening. People see it very much. And mm-hmm. they respect it. They respect the job we did.
3: What about specifically Alabama, Missouri, or Ohio? Are you looking at any of those candidates? Missouri, oh, yeah, or- sure, sure, okay. all of
5: them. Uh, you have great people going in those states, and they're mm-hmm. great states, and they're states that I won by a lot, as you know. Alabama, Missouri, mm-hmm. Ohio, I won by a lot. And uh, no, we—they all want an endorsement, and I'll be largely making those. Sometimes, you know, you're. You have two or three really good and supportive, but also really, really good candidates, mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to let that just play out. But I'll so, be generally speaking, making endorsement.
3: What does it take to get your endorsement? And would you be willing to maybe just name one right now? I'm pushing you on it.
5: <laughs> well, look, I, I can say that uh, you know I haven't endorsed yet, but Mo Brooks in Alabama has done a a spectacular job of fighting for an election election integrity he saw the crooked election what happened and he was willing to speak up and he's a strong guy he's a tough guy he loves his state mm-hmm. I mean I could see going that way you have other really good people they're really good people but you know Mo was right out there on the front lines and mm-hmm. he was fighting for election integrity he saw what happened with the 2020 presidential election it was rigged and stolen and he mm-hmm. saw that and others saw that, too. What about Eric Greitens or Josh you know, Mandel? He's running, he's running for the Senate. You have mm-hmm. some wonderful people in Ohio and in Missouri. You have some wonderful people running. And mm-hmm. we'll be uh, letting people know very, very shortly.
3: OK, well, you could let them know right now, uh, but you can think about that. Well,
5: <laughs> I well, I think you do a fantastic job, well, by the way, Heather. You. I think I you do really appreciate it. You're a real professional. I appreciate it I very appreciate much. it.
3: Um, what about this big RNC uh, donor meeting? Uh, they're all coming down to Palm Beach this weekend.
5: We have a lot of uh, senators, congressmen mm-hmm. and donors coming down to Palm Beach to Mar-a-Lago. We have a very big ballroom and it's going to be uh, full. It's going to yeah. be really something, you know, Florida's Florida's back in action and they've done a Ron has done a fantastic job and Mm -hmm. uh the the state is really people want to come here what's the significance a lot of people people are coming and not moving back to other (laughs) locations which is pretty tough for those other locations yeah
3: i don't blame them for the ones that left new york because we we are nowhere near back um what's the significance uh, of all the rnc folks coming down there this weekend and how often do people try to come down there to get your endorsement and to get your help
5: well all the time (laughs) and far more so than even a year ago or six months ago uh, you see the polls and the polls have been incredible. We have 95% approval ratings and we have, you know, really it's, it's a, an incredible thing. You mm-hmm. know, if you look back to, you know, normal, wonderful times, which frankly were probably in many ways worse than this, of course, we got hit with COVID. Right. We got hit with the plague from China. So that sort of uh, puts a pall on things. But, but if you look back, uh, you'll see that Generally speaking, an endorsement doesn't mean a thing. Having an endorsement from Ronald Reagan was wonderful to have, but it didn't mean that much in terms of points. And I'm giving endorsement and people are going up thirty, forty, fifty points. It's been pretty amazing, actually. yeah, and it's a great honor. But I have to be very careful with it because I want you know the we want great people to be in there. We want people that love our country, that are going to be willing to fight for our country and and be strong. And uh, I think that's those are the people that we. Are endorsing low taxes, keep the taxes low, strong military, Mm -hmm. Second Amendment. I mean, there are five or six things that are just you know very very important, and
3: uh, those things are being
5: obliterated. You you know, the Democrats are looking to virtually demolish your Second Amendment. I said that Mm -hmm. was going to happen. I wanted to ask you about you know the election. Mm -hmm. The election was a it was a rigged, stolen election. Mm Uh, if this would have happened to democrats you would have had a revolution they wouldn't have allowed it and the supreme court was did not have the courage to do what they should have done because mm-hmm. all, these elections in the swing states mm-hmm. they didn't have anything approved by the legislatures well the that's legislatures why yeah that's why i asked you earlier
3: that's why i asked you earlier if the republican party had done enough before the election To keep some of these things from happening, when it came to uh, voting laws and voting integrity, which obviously all the states now are trying uh, to do their part with that, but it's causing a a huge problem with a lot of corporations and boycotts. Uh, Finally, uh, well, they did
5: actually. They did. They did. And as you know, judges Mm -hmm. didn't want to hear cases. You know, they didn't want to be responsible for for this. The judges didn't want to hear the case. But it's so simple. Not only dead people voting, not only you know illegal immigrants and all of the other things, all of the ballot dumps, all of the things that happened at three o'clock in the morning, etc. cetera. Forget all of that. They didn't get approval to make all of these massive changes. And you're not allowed to do it locally or even with local judges. And Without they did going it with the state local politicians. Yeah. So it should have never been allowed. And the Supreme Court uh, should be ashamed of themselves right. for not Be willing to take it on.
3: Well, you're taking steps now so that it can be resolved before the next election and we won't have to fight it after the fact. I did want to finally just ask you, uh, because you were talking about uh, endorsing candidates, will you be using your new social media platform uh, for that? And what else can you tell us about it? And also the presidential library, any news on that front?
5: So we have a lot of people that want to come on to Social media. Right now, as you know, we're doing releases, press releases, I guess you could call them, and they're getting out to everybody. They're very effective, actually. I mean, I think I'm getting the word out to everybody. Uh, and it's done in a much, in a way, it's done in a more elegant way, but Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of options on social media and platforms, and at the right time, we'll be making the announcement. You know, we had probably 200 million people, between 90 million people on Twitter, and then we had Uh, POTUS had a 36 million and we were Mm -hmm. one of the top on Facebook and you know all of these people and the uh, big tech cut them off because they were not happy with the progress that we made they cut them off, they silenced a voice and a a big voice and and many other voices and many people left Twitter, Twitter's become very boring, it is very boring
3: it is and anybody says it is and isn't telling the the truth Yeah.
5: (laughs) well many people have left uh, Heather it's incredible, they're leaving and it's no longer, you know, when I went on Twitter, you know, years ago, it was like a dead company. Mm-hmm. And then it became hot. Now it's becoming dead again. People are, are bored. I mean, I'm hearing mm-hmm. this from everybody. They're bored stiff. So Twitter's, are, Facebook is so big, right. you know, they had a, they had a big drop off too in value after that happened. But Facebook is big enough. But Twitter, Twitter is becoming, uh, very, very, mundane and right. very, uh, people are not enjoying well, it so Facebook much anymore pulled your.
3: All. Facebook pulled the interview that you did with your daughter-in-law, Laura. So she had to
5: put it Incredible. on clout
3: hub. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'm sure I will lose uh, thousands and thousands of followers on Twitter after our interview today. They'll just magically no, disappear. No, I think you'll
5: gain, I think you'll gain a lot of respect actually because you're one yeah. of the people that tells it like it is. No, you'll gain a lot of respect. You know, when you speak up and would you tell the truth ultimately, mm-hmm. like, They haven't silenced me. I'm getting my voice out just as good as I did if I had Twitter, and I get in less trouble because I don't retweet people that I, you know, (laughs) perhaps after you do massive research, you'll figure you shouldn't be retweeting. But, uh, no, this is, in many respects, it's better than Twitter. Okay. I'll tell you. Well, we will look for it. I think you're going to do very well based on this interview. And you're doing well anyway, but you're going to do very well based on this interview.
3: Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate so much of your time today. I know that our Newsmax viewers were watching, and they're appreciative as well.
5: Well, thank you very much, Heather, and keep up the good work.
3: All right. Have a great rest of the day. And we will have analysis of this interview with a political analyst, Mark Halpern, and others. Okay, so now I'm going.
1: Guys, have a blessed day. And we will be um, say it, rating. God bless everyone.
0: this mountain, I live